Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. Good morning, everyone. Hope you're all doing well. Thank you for that reply. Hope everybody's doing well this morning. Uh, I want to go ahead and make you aware as we continue in our time of worship this morning. Uh, of if you want to continue to worship through giving, uh, you can do so by the ways that you see there on the screen, text, QR code, um, in person, whatever you feel led to do. Uh, if you want to continue with that, uh, just make a note, we are going into uh, very soon um, getting ready for Easter, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. So that'll show up online in the next week or so uh, for you to be able to give towards that if the Lord leads you to do so there. Uh, so I want to make you aware of that. Well, this morning, we are continuing in our study of the book of Acts as we're going through this mini-series, Acts, the Gospel Advances. And as we have been going through this, we have seen over the last two weeks especially uh, the account of Peter and Cornelius and what God has done there in that situation. And we're going to conclude that story uh, uh, today uh, at beginning in chapter 11. And as you see there on the screen, I've entitled the message today, The Gospel for, our, for All, Part 2. Um, what we're seeing in this is Peter's going to the church and he's recapping what has taken place over what we've studied the last two weeks. And Pastor Walter's message, the gospel for all last week, that'd be fitting just to, to kind of do a, a second part following up from that since Peter is basically recounting everything that we've seen over the last two weeks, okay? And so that's what we're gonna see here today. Uh, this is a, the fourth time in this in three weeks that we've studied this that we're, we're hearing this recounting of what has taken place between Peter Peter and Cornelius and how the, the Lord appeared before Cornelius and told him to do something, how he appeared in a vision before Peter, referring to him to do something. And we're going to see how that all plays out with Peter coming before the brothers and sisters, the apostles, to tell uh, what God has done in those situations. So with that said, let's stand together to honor the reading of God's word, 18 verses this morning, and then we will begin. Words will be on the screen if you need them. The word of God says, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending. Being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and the beasts of prey and the reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and it was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and, the, and we entered the man's house. And he told us of how he had seen the angels stand in the house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household." As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent. 
And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this time that we've had thus far here worshiping you. Lord, we thank you, Father, that we have the opportunity to gather together as the saints freely, Lord, to lift high your name, to glorify you, and to sit under the teaching of your word. Father, we pray now, Lord, over these next few moments, Lord, that you would be glorified. Lord, that distractions would truly fade away. Lord, that we would hear from you today through your word. I pray the same for our brothers and sisters gathered throughout our community here as the gospel is preached this morning. And I thank you, Lord, for the preaching and teaching of it this morning earlier during St. Andrew's service. Father, we are so grateful for you. We're thankful, Lord, that we can do this. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So today we're going to continue in this story to see how the reality, the the truth, the power of the gospel, being for all, it will at times unsettle the beliefs contrary to God's will, thus sometimes bringing some form of opposition. Therefore, the gospel must be testified and the gospel always demands a response. So if you're taking notes, I hope you are. You can jot this down for point number one. The gospel brings opposition. Now, if you've been paying attention throughout our our study, you may even look back at some notes, specifically at some ones that I've preached, and you may say, well, that that point sounds familiar to another point that you had in a couple other sermons. I'm intentionally doing that because there's some theme, uh, some things of thematic element, I think, that we can see that plays through all throughout all of the book of Acts. But we see from these first few verses of chapter 11 how the circumcised party is unsettled at the sound of what has happened with the Gentiles and Peter. Specifically there again in verse 1, now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. If there's one thing that we have seen, and I think we can all remember and see quickly, is word travels fast. Word gets out quickly through what we've seen so far. When something takes place, somebody hears about it, and it gets out very, very quickly. Word gets out that the, to the apostles and the brothers, and, and we can also put in their sisters, the, to the believers throughout Judea. And they know that the gospel was presented, and they know that the Holy Spirit, something has taken place with the Gentiles, and they want to know from Peter, hey, what happened? Give an account of what took place when you were there with this guy Cornelius and his household. Well, let's look at verse two and three. When Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter goes up to Jerusalem. He goes to these people, the circumcised party, and they criticize him. They're unsettled. They start to show some opposition. They're like, wait a minute, this is contrary to what we know. Why did you do this? We're criticizing you. This is not right. Why on earth did you see the need to do this? You see, for those who had been circumcised, the Jewish believers, they had issues with the Gentiles. These are Jews with a high regard for this ongoing place of ceremonial law, especially regarding food and circumcision. They lived their lives all about their customs, their traditions, and they viewed the Gentiles in a non-favorable way. They're criticizing Peter because he fellowshiped with those who shouldn't have been associated with according to their customs. Again, they are thinking pre-Christ. Remember, 
We can play back from a couple weeks ago. That was even Peter's thought process. And we see that in the way in which God reveals in that vision, according to what Peter is seeing there about the food, but God talking about people and the gospel being for all. Regarding verse 3, I'll read it again. You went to uncircumcised men and you ate with them. They viewed the Gentiles as these unclean people per the Mosaic law. They viewed Peter's eating with them negatively because to eat with someone meant that you accepted and you identified with them. And so they're like, wait, there is a problem here. This presents a major issue from their stance, from their point of view. And it speaks to what Pastor Walter brought up last week regarding the gospel. It truly is for all who would repent and believe. God shows no partiality. God made that clear to Peter in the vision or the trance, as the scriptures say. Jesus' finished work on the cross, his blood poured out, it opens the door for all and not just some who would repent and believe. It's for any who would repent and believe. Problems will arise for those who do not necessarily understand the gospel fully. They're going to have issue with things. We see this in a lost and dying world around us. They don't understand the gospel, so it naturally brings opposition up for them. Here, we don't think that's the case for the Jewish believers, but it is. It's contrary to what they know, and they don't like it. There's a problem in their opinion. And we must remember that we cannot view God's decrees and the power of the gospel and take them and put it into a one-size-fits-all mindset for us that goes with whatever our sinful worldview may be in regard to things. The gospel is for all. The gospel is available to any who would repent and believe. Jesus died for that purpose. And so there is going to be opposition, and there is some form of opposition that happens here with them criticizing Peter. Now we see, after hearing the criticism, that Peter gives testimony to what God had done, which brings me to point two. Y'all are like, Brian's already on point two. Hot dog. The gospel must be testified. The gospel must be testified. In this section, Peter gives this summary of what we've studied these last two weeks. In Peter's retelling of the events, now the fourth time that we're hearing these things, he clarifies what happens to what was overheard. You know, the the word has gotten out quickly, as I said, and it made me think. You guys ever remember in school, you would sit there, and, and I distinctly remember that, Mr. Ed, you're probably the only one here that can recall this, maybe, but back when Billy Dalton was here in the youth, and I was here hanging out with the youth group way back when, I remember us playing this game upstairs in the educational wing. You would sit there, and you would be there in a room full of people, and you've got everybody around, and one person starts with some kind of story. They whisper it into somebody's ear. You don't do a long story, because everybody's going to forget that. You just do come up with a very quick little synopsis of something. You say it to one person, it goes to the next, and by the time you get to the end of the 15th or so person or even longer, they're talking about something completely different. Anybody ever done that? Yeah. It made me think about this in this regard. The word has gotten out, and they're hearing something, and they're like, wait a minute, something ain't right here. There's a problem. So Peter is testifying. He's like, listen, you may have heard this. Let me get the story straight. This is what took place. Verses four and five say, but Peter began and explained to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners and it came down to me. 
We, we've already covered this from two weeks ago, so I won't go into great detail with it. But I must say, if I'm Peter in that moment, I'm seeing this, this sheet come down, I'm freaking out, right? It's like, what? All of this stuff is coming down. But look at six. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. It's worth pointing out here that we're still in the book of Acts. We're still in Luke's writing of the book of Acts. But here in this verse of verse 6, as opposed to chapter 10, verse 12, where we were two weeks ago, Peter adds something there in his description. Luke tells us in, in 10, 12 about a certain amount of animals that he sees before him. But here in verse 6 of chapter 11, he mentions the wild beast in the listing of the animals. Now, this is similar to the creation narrative that we see from chapter 1, verses 24 and 25 of Genesis. I won't quote that, but you can write that there in your notes if you want to to refer to later. But we see that it follows in line with that creation narrative. I think one of the biggest things that we can see from this is it's furthering of God's point that the gospel is made available to all. Do not call common what God has called clean. Do not show partiality. This is for any and all who would repent and believe. Let's read 7 through 11. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea." So we see, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, he's explaining what happened. He's explaining the dialogue between him and the Lord, saying, wait a minute, no, this is not what I'm supposed to do, Lord. And God makes it clear to him, what I say to do, you do. Do not call common what God has made clean. And he recalls the fact that the men that were sent by Cornelius are there for him at the door. Now look at verse 12. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. That first part of verse 12, I want to camp out there for just a moment. We see that Peter is indicating that the Holy Spirit directs him, and then Peter follows through with obedience. When I read that and I was studying this week, God made it clear to me over and over and over. When I speak, you must listen. When I speak, you must listen. And I'm thinking about that and what we've already seen over the last few chapters of the book of Acts. You remember back in Acts chapter 8 with the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip? Remember what took place there? Philip is directed by the angel of the Lord to go down to Gaza, and he goes in obedience. He finds the Ethiopian eunuch reading the word of God. He climbs up there in the chariot. He proclaims and helps him through the scriptures that he's reading, and the eunuch comes to faith in Jesus and is baptized. Obedience at the directing of the Lord. Next we see chapter nine. We've already seen this. Ananias, he's going about his daily life. He's doing what he's supposed to do. Paul's already been knocked down off the horse and the Lord has been there before him. He is blind and he is now waiting. And Ananias is told by the Lord to go and find Paul. And Ananias is like, wait a second. This is Paul. This is the guy, or Saul at that time. This is Saul. This is the guy that's killing and ravaging the church. You want me to go to him? Yes, go. Ananias goes. Obedience. Cornelius, two weeks ago, chapter 10, 
He's told by the angel, you will be told this from me to you. You need to go and find this guy, Simon Peter. Send your people to him so that he can come back and proclaim the gospel to you. Cornelius responds, sending them. Peter, verse 12, is told by the Spirit to go, and he goes. Just in the last several chapters, we have seen example after example of God's prompting and directing of the Spirit of God or some form of the Lord showing up and saying, do this, and no opposition came. Direct obedience. And it impacted lives throughout that obedience. I think that's something that we can take and we need to put in our back pocket and we need to take it back out periodically and chew on. God speaks We need to listen. We need to be obedient. Because you better believe if you're following the Lord and walking in step with the Spirit and you're being obedient to Him and you're doing what He has called you to do, it will impact people for eternity. God will use you. God will use you. The Spirit tells Peter to do this and He tells them, hey, I'm doing it. We must follow through with where the Lord may be leading us. We must listen. And we listen through spending quality time with the Lord, the one who created us and loved us enough to die for us. We cannot hear what God is directing if we are not listening and walking with him. We can't. I'm preaching to you what I've preached to myself this week. We must remember that, church. We cannot listen to what God is leading us to and walk in step with him if we are not spending time with him and listening to him as he directs. I'm not saying you're gonna hear this audible voice that comes out and says, Brian, go do this. The Holy Spirit is powerful. He is living inside of you. He indwells us. And he directs us through the reading of the word and fellowship with God and through other believers. Verse 13. Verse 13 tells us, and he told us how he had seen an angel stand in the house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon who is called Peter. Verse 14. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved. Now, I told you a moment ago, referencing back to chapter 10, something that we didn't see before, here's something else that gets added in here in Peter's description. Luke tells us that something uh, has happened that's a little bit further of an explanation from the angel to Cornelius. The angel says that the message will be declared to Cornelius and his household, and it will bring salvation to them. We see that this God-fearing man lived and he had this hope. He did these things and it brought a memorial up to God. It was a pleasing thing to God. And here the angel appears to him and he has this hope. But the hope becomes reality when he's obedient and Peter shows up and presents the gospel to them. He's literally told that salvation is coming to him and his household. 
Which made me think, of course, when Peter showed up at the house, of course the place was packed. If I'm Cornelius and the angel of God has told me to send for Peter, he's coming back, he's going to proclaim a message to you, and your whole house, including you, is going to be saved. Bill, get over here now. Larry, get over here. Like, like, get over here now, guys. We are hearing something powerful being told to us. Peter walks up in the house and the place is packed. Verse 15. Peter again is recalling what took place. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. Peter tells the church in his preaching of the gospel, the Holy Spirit fell upon those Gentiles and he says, just as on us at the beginning. Peter's pointing to Pentecost. He's pointing to something we've already studied. Acts chapter two, two through four says, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty wind, a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house while they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Can you imagine hearing Peter declared this account if you're one of those in the circumcised party, the circumcision party. Can you imagine hearing this? They had to be astonished. They had to be left questioning, like, what in the world? How can this happen? These are Gentiles. At Pentecost, it fell on us. Verse 16 says, And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You see, Peter recalls the words of Jesus. Can you picture Peter in that moment? Peter's standing there. He has proclaimed the gospel, and the Holy Spirit has come down on all of these Gentiles. Do not call common what God has called clean. It has fallen down on these Gentiles and Peter's there and he remembers. Same thing happened a few, mo- a few chapters ago when we were in there. Peter, it dawns on him, wait a minute. When I walk in the house and I see all these people, this was the purpose for the trance, the vision that God gave to me. This was the purpose for it. And now Peter is telling us that after he has been obedient and he has proclaimed the gospel and the Holy Spirit has fallen on the Gentiles, he stands there and he is reminded of Jesus' words. See, Jesus promised that there would be something more that would come. Someone more. The helper. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come to assist the bride until the bridegroom came back the bride. Peter's recalling of Jesus' words makes it clear. The vision plus these words means that the gospel is for all. And I don't know about you, but I say thanks be to God for that. Because of God seeing fit of that, we get to be a part of the family of God. last thing that we see is not only that the gospel brings opposition and the gospel must be testified, number three, and this sounds like a familiar point from before, the gospel demands a response. Verse 
the gospel demands a response. Verse 17, if then, again Peter, if then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Peter makes this profound statement before the brothers and the sisters. He's making it clear that he had no dog in the fight when it comes to his desire versus God's. His plan versus God's. His partiality versus God showing no partiality. Standing in the way is carrying the idea of, of, excuse me, of refusing or preventing the Gentiles from receiving the word of God, the Holy Spirit coming upon them. That same verb of preventing, it's used for the Ethiopian eunuch when he is speaking to Philip. In Acts 8, 36, he said, as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? That same verb, it's used when Peter is talking in 10, 47 and 48. Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? God has made it abundantly clear. Nothing, nothing, nothing will prevent people from being saved. God will make the way. He has provided it through Jesus and the proclamation of the gospel is for any and all who would repent and believe. God has made all things clean. It is because of the finished work of Jesus that Peter, going back to Acts 2 when he's giving that profound sermon in 2.38 says to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the the gift of the Holy Spirit. God shows Peter what he does for the Gentiles and it leaves him in awe. He shows it to him and he says, who in the world am I? Peter, the one who at one time denied Christ three times, yet he still uses me for his glory. Who in the world am I that I would stand in the way? I will not. God, have your way. Peter realized that there is no way that he could stand in the way of God's purpose and his plan. Don't stand in the way. Verse 18. When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. See, upon hearing the testimony of this incredible account by Peter, the brothers and the sisters, they fall silent. It's this lingering silence. Imagine the processing that's happening there in that moment. Wait a second. We've got it wrong. Wait a second. Things have changed. The page has turned. We're in a new, we're, we're in a new chapter Things aren't going exactly the way we thought they're supposed to go anymore. God has intervened. And you're saying that this isn't just for us, the select sect anymore? It's for the Gentiles too? And the light bulb goes off. The light bulb goes off and they glorified God. 
They glorified God. These Jewish believers of the circumcised party who were once one of the Gentiles to accept their beliefs or, or, or not even wanting anything to do with them, they now see that their accepting of Jesus is what has transformed them. The Holy Spirit has come upon them. They say, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. It brings this moment of praise. Can you see in this moment this turning of the page from their reaction? They go from criticizing to praising. They go from criticism of what Peter did to now saying, thanks be to God that God did this through you, Peter. Peter, you're right. Who are we that we would stand in the way? God has made the way. There is now unity on this issue. Here, this moment could have led to further disunity. The, the criticizing could have led to major issues in this moment. But yet after hearing the testimony of how the gospel was used and it transformed lives, they see the thing that is bigger than themselves. They see the thing that is far more incredible than their little sector of people. God has made the way for the gospel to be proclaimed to any who would repent and believe. Praise God for that. We've seen a powerful showing of the power of the gospel over these last three weeks. We see that God truly shows no partiality, regardless of race, ethnicity, anything. The gospel is for all who would repent and believe. I've said that like 17 times this morning, but it's the truth of the gospel. It is for all who would repent and believe. It is good for us to see this moment of clarity for the church where they unify together with Peter and they rally and they praise God. It brings me to the point to make us ask the question, are we hopeful? Are we in awe of God and how he has redeemed us? And are we in awe of him and hopeful and praying and begging God that he would redeem fill in the blank? That he would redeem that loved one that we pray for continually despite the issues that arise? Are we so concerned and we're praying and asking God to redeem the one that is there right next door to us that we know is as lost as can be and desperately needs the gospel? Are we praying and asking God to save him or her? Are we begging God to save the coworker at work? Are we begging God to save the waitress that we see on a consistent basis when we go and we sit at their table? If we're not... And we fall to our knees in repentance and pray to God that he would do that. But when we also ask God, Lord, I'm begging you to save them. But Lord, I'm also asking you to use me 
as your instrument, however you see fit with that. God used Peter in this moment to bring these Gentiles to faith. And he has called his church all these local bodies of the big C church to live their lives daily in obedience for his glory to proclaim the glory of his name. We're going to do as we always do during this time and we're going to pray and spend some time in quiet reflection before the worship team comes forward to lead us in singing of the wonderful cross. And during this time, there's nothing special about anything up here. If, If you need prayer, Pastor Walter and I will be available to you. We would be happy to pray with you, to, to be with you, and to answer any questions you may have, just to, just to pray. Whatever it is that you need, we are here for you. If you're not comfortable with that now, we can, we can talk to you afterwards, or we can set up a time this week, whatever it is. But I want to encourage you, as the Lord is speaking in this moment, respond. Respond in obedience. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, we come before you right now, Lord, so thankful, Lord, for your word. We're so thankful, Father, that we can call you our Abba Father, because you have redeemed us, those of us in Christ. God, you are worthy of our praise and our adoration. Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, for the way in which your word truly is living and active. I want to thank you, Lord, through the way in which you speak through the Holy Spirit as we study your word, through brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, through our time of just quiet solace with you. Lord, to hear the things that you want us to hear from you, to hear you speak And Lord, when you speak, Lord, I pray that we would be people wanting and desiring to do your will, to do as you see fit, to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, to proclaim and demonstrate it to any and all people we would encounter for the glory of your name. Father, if we're not to that place yet, Lord, I pray that you would bring us to repentance in that. Father, if we are at that place, Lord, but we don't know where to go next, Lord, I pray that you would just give us that nudge to take that step walking in obedience and trust. Knowing, Lord, that you are with us. Knowing, Lord, that you have called us to be the sent out ones. Lord, we are grateful for you. And we love you and we bless you. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.